It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On BYU, your daily BYU Cougars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, this is Locked On BYU. I'm your host, Jay Catch, bringing you a special edition of the podcast late Saturday night, well I guess it's early Sunday morning, 2.20 in the morning, bringing you this podcast recap some of my initial reactions to the BYU-Cal game. Of course, BYU loses their home opener 21-18 to the Cal Golden Bears. Cougars now 1-1 one one on the season, while Cal improves to 2-0. and My initial impression of this game was BYU had wasted opportunities. I think a lot of you that are listening to this will agree with me on that. Most glaring would be the punt, the, the muffed punt by Vic Wharton that Diane Gonwoloku dived on late in that game in the third quarter, and BYU couldn't come up with points after having a first and 10 on the 16-yard line going in. Stuff like that is absolutely a killer if you're watching this game because BYU lose by three points. You get any points out of that situation, and that completely changes this game potentially how it, how it turns out. Alas, that's that's why we watch the games. That's why the games are played. BYU 1-1 one one on the year, headed to Wisconsin next week. Thank you so much for taking the time to download the podcast. Most of you will probably be listening to this tomorrow morning, uh, Sunday morning when you wake up. But for those of you that are listening to this late night, welcome on in. I'm Jay Catch, your BYU insider, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Kind of fun for me to be able to sit down and talk about these games initially right after they happen get some of my initial thoughts out there to you we'll do a more comprehensive review uh, on monday with our regularly scheduled show i'll let you know what i thought of the game then after i have a chance to watch this game on film again well not really film i'll be watching the broadcast version of it again as i was in person for this game at lavelle edwards stadium but I will have more for you after I get a chance to look at it. But here, my first thing, yeah, wasted opportunities for BYU. That includes drops by the wide receiver, wide receivers, I guess I should say, and the tight ends. The pass catchers, 11 of them had a reception in this game, continuing a theme from the Arizona game where 10 guys caught a ball. But there were multiple big-time drops. I can remember uh, Dylan Colley had a big one on a deep ball that would have set up BYU in prime territory. Very uncharacteristic for a guy like that. Micah Simon had some drops that I can remember in that game. And I'm not singling out those two guys because they were the only two. There were multiple guys who dropped passes in this game. BYU needed more production from their wide receiving core. Kalani Sitake talked about it after the game. He explained that drops will not do. He placed the blame for the loss on the coaches, as any good head coach does. He put it ultimately on himself. Uh, BYU trying to rebound now when they face Wisconsin next Saturday. Uh, We got the official word late tonight after the game that the game will be televised nationally on ABC. So anybody that has an over-the-air antenna, 
regular regular connection, you have an antenna in your home, you can get this game for BYU. So cord cutters, if you're listening to this, you can do this via your streaming app. If you have ABC, the local affiliate, KTVX, or you can just get your over-the-air antenna, they may have hooked up and you can watch the game that way. Big uh, platform for BYU when they face off against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, of course, number five in the country. Had a little bit of a scare early on against New Mexico today, but they rolled to a big-time win over the Lobos. And now BYU goes into Madison on the heels of a tough loss at the hands of Cal. We'll see how the team responds. But let's get to some sound here from the post game that I thought was notable from players and coaches alike. We'll talk about that. We'll come back on the other side. I'm going to do kind of a new addition to the podcast where we look at the opponents for BYU coming up and how they performed earlier today. Well, I guess yesterday officially. We'll talk about that. Let's start off now. Uh, Kalani Satake was... He was... Very fired up in the post game, he came in and said, hey, sorry, I had some things to say to the guys when asked what he had to say. He said there are some personal things, and every coach has their relationship with their players, and he is entitled to that right to say what he wants and let what he wants out. But he was very fired up in his comments. I asked a question about the 11 receivers catching passes and if he would like to see one guy emerge as a go-to guy. And his response initially to me was essentially just answer the question and brushed it off. But then he picked up where he left off and had one of the best quotes of the post game. So here you go, Kalani Satake with a response to my question about pass catchers, but he expands the whole question into a into another topic. No, I just like to see us catch the ball better and be more efficient. Um, yeah, twenty-two for forty-one is not good. So, and and like I said before, the drops didn't help either. You know what I mean? So we we didn't do enough to win this game, guys. I mean that's the effort was there, and I'm I'm proud of our guys and how hard they played. They battled. They didn't quit in the end. You know they kept going, but um, effort's not enough to win games. You know that's a good that's a good uh, key for us, but to have and, and something we can hang our hat on. But that's not good enough to win. We need to be more efficient as an offense and be more disruptive as a defense and and, uh, and find ways to, to, to win games. That's what we have to do. There you go, Kalani Satake. Effort is not enough to win games. The effort is there, but it's not enough to win games. That should strike a chord with BYU fans. Kalani Satake is not sitting idly by. He saw what happened a year ago. He knows his job was under scrutiny. He needs to win games, he wants to win games, and he's going to demand everything he can get out of his team, and he knows that tonight's performance was unacceptable on multiple levels. So I really enjoyed that comment from Kalani, and hats off to him putting his players on notice, but also making sure that they're aware of the standard that he has for them. All right, let's also talk about here Marone Laulu Pututau. I thought had a very revealing comment in the post game. Jared Lloyd, I believe, asked the question to him, um, but he he was asked about uh, just how the game went and the ultimate result. And he said this game for BYU, the loss came earlier in the week. So here you go. Here's Marone Laulu Pututau's response in post game tonight on that topic. Honestly, we didn't lose the game today. I feel we lost it three days ago in preparation and practice. And so those little things, you know, we still have confidence because we can make those plays. We're not worried. Um, those guys will make the play guaranteed. I trust them 100% next play. 
what what lost it three days? In your mind, you know, just talking about the preparation, was it just the communication wasn't there in the, during the week of practice? Or? Um, well, first off, I want to say hats off to the defense because they worked their butts off. They had a really good practice this week. They had their backs against the wall so many times getting turnovers. So hats off to the defense and love them for playing hard. But I think specifically Tuesday practice was amazing. I think we could agree with that. We came out, worked hard. We're like, okay, let's go. Cal week. Wednesday, there was kind of a lull. You know, we had a lot of MAs. And I mean, I'm going to take that on me personally, too. Like, I didn't lead well enough. And uh, we didn't have enough leaders to step up and practice to be ready for today. And so there, we noticed the things we can fix. And so I think we have the confidence to fix them. There you go. Morone Laulu Pututau, the tight end, had a big pass late in the game to set up that touchdown that got BYU within three there. This game was lost earlier in the week. I have some suspicion based on that comment, and this is just me reading into it, looking between the lines, that BYU players, some of them may have gotten a little fat and happy, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, and decided, okay, well, we d- we, we worked so hard going into that Arizona game, we should be able to win this game, we're going home, etc., and they may have eased up at, at some level. I don't know how much they would have eased up, but they eased up, and that played into the loss here. I may be up in the night. Let me know if I am up in the night at LockedOnBYU or at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. But reading into that, Marone Laulu Pututau was one of the most revealing quotes of the postgame after that Cal loss. He said that this game was lost earlier in the week on Wednesday. Very revealing there. Uh, Butch Pau'u, when asked about that response from Pututau, uh, he responded saying, I felt like the defense worked really hard. He said he really couldn't answer for the offense, but he felt like the team worked hard. But Marone Laulu Pututau, I think, uh, is speaking a lot of truth there. It was very revealing and hats off to him for not giving a canned answer. All right. Here's the situation now. BYU one and one a year ago, BYU won their first game, but then proceeded to go on a, on a losing streak an unparalleled losing streak in their history. Things snowballed for the Cougars. The question was asked a couple of times of Butch Pau and also fullback Braden L. Bakri about not allowing this loss to linger in the minds of BYU players and allowing that to snowball with how the season went a year ago. Uh, here, we'll start off with uh, Braden L. Bakri's response on not letting the loss linger, and then we'll follow that up with Butch Pau's comment. So here you go. Braden L. Bakri on not letting this loss linger after the game tonight. I think that, you know, there's a difference between going too far ahead and correcting, you know, a mental error on a call or a block or a route because we had a couple of those as well. And, you know, I don't think everybody's going to try to start doing, you know, more than their 111th because that's what our offense is built upon. I mean, I mean, even last week, there weren't a a lot of guys that had, you know, huge stats, but there was a lot of guys that had good stats that helped us win the game. And I feel like, you know, as a team, we're built in that way that, you know, everybody's going to do their part to clean up their play so that we can come out and succeed and you know emotionally it hurts it sucks right now I mean after the game I was mad I was crying and everything and I take losses pretty hard and I'm sure everybody else does but that should just you know drive you forward to work even harder and get the stuff that you know you personally can clean up and get done for the team there you go Braden L. Bakri 
He knows that there's a mental aspect to this, but the team needs to get back to it. He sounds optimistic. And I will say the tenor around the team after this loss is that they're still keeping their heads up. Now, here you go. Here's Butch Pau, of course, a senior captain, one of the eight captains for Kalani Satake this year, a two-time captain in his BYU career. Here was Butch Pau's response about why this loss, in his opinion, won't snowball on this team. Just keep a positive attitude. That's the biggest thing. Um, talking to some of the guys, or talking about Adam Polson for this feels like our loss against UCLA that we had two years ago where we're, we played a great de- a great a game as a defense, but it wasn't good enough. Um, and so we just got to make sure that we play together and continue to keep our heads high. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like These guys were down, but Tristan Hodge called the team up, and he said, why are you guys down for it? That's a great team, and we're a great team. It was a hard-fought battle. We kept believing these guys scored, and they they, they had their belief in us to, to get that three and out, but unfortunately we weren't able to do that. So just got to continue to believe in each other, and we'll be okay. There you go, Butch Pau. Keep it, Tristan Hodge stepping up and telling, the guy, telling BYU players to keep their heads up. This... Uh, is something that BYU can't allow to get away from them. Let's be honest, going to Wisconsin will be a mammoth task for them to even hang in that game, in all honesty, in my opinion, because we're talking about a BYU team on one level and Wisconsin, a college football playoff contender, who's on a whole nother level. But BYU needs to keep their heads up, keep their perspective about them, because as I told you guys on this podcast, the goal for BYU this year is bowl eligibility. And the, the math I had, not really math, but the way I projected things going for BYU, for them to get to 6-6 six and six on the year, I felt like BYU needed to split these first two games. That's exactly what they've done. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. It's looking like BYU will leave September 2-3 and three on, the, on the season. They'll expecting a win over McNeese State at home, uh, sandwiched by losses at Wisconsin and at Washington. They still got to go play the games. Anything could happen, but that's how I see things going. And they'll be heading into the Utah State game the first week of October, two and three. And in my opinion, still on track for a six and six year because the schedule lightens up after September. But they, like I said, they've got to play the games, and we'll be analyzing it for you all the way along. All right, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll talk about how Wisconsin performed, look at McNeese State and also Washington, give you a look at those teams. Also some statistical takeaways from the BYU game and some other issues that I noticed in the loss. So that's all coming up right here on Locked on BYU. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Locked On BYU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On BYU, of course, covering the BYU Cougars for you every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Jay Catch, your host here on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time late night, uh, Saturday night, early Sunday morning, or whenever you're listening to this to take the time to listen to me ramble on about my initial reaction to BYU's 21-18 loss to Cal, dropping them to 1-1 on the year. 
Uh, we're going to talk about some of the future opponents for BYU and their games today uh, in a minute here. Also get to some final thoughts from the game. Uh, but I want to talk real quick about BYU and what issue I think is absolutely glaring for the Cougars. And I'm not sure that there's a fix for it. And that is the pass rush. Arizona's offensive line stinks. Let's be frank about that. They were awful. Kyrus Tonga made them look look silly. Cal came in, and Cal is not Wisconsin, who BYU's next opponent is in terms of offensive line play, but Cal literally formed a wall that BYU found nearly impenetrable, especially with just four down linemen. This was an issue that BYU faced in 2017. Kalani Sitake has insisted that just working at their technique, players have made the same comments. Corbin Kafusi, most notably, said, work on our technique, we'll improve the pass rush. Trajan Peely said that earlier this week. He was excited to pin his ears back and get after Cal. Well, BYU has one sack through two games. Yeah. Um, I'm tapping my fingers on my desk if you can't hear that, picking that up. Anyways, just not not to the level that they want it to be at. I, I completely understand that. But BYU's style of defense, this press man coverage they want to play on the outside with one single high safety at times and just different looks they have, Unless BYU can generate some pressure with their four down linemen on the defensive line, this defense is set up to fail. A year ago, Wisconsin came to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and Alex Hornerbrook completed 19 of 20 passes and looked like a Heisman contender. And it's because BYU could not penetrate Wisconsin's offensive line. Well, guess what? BYU is facing that same Wisconsin offensive line next week in Madison. That offensive line remains intact from a year ago. There are legitimately four potential first-round draft picks on Wisconsin's offensive line, and the fifth guy might be a second- or third-round draft pick. That is how good the Badgers' offensive line is. BYU's defensive line needs to figure something out. If Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani Sitake need to send the house to generate any sort of pressure. That is setting up BYU's defense to fail. BYU's defense played a game tonight against Cal that should have given their offense a chance to win. They did everything they could in spite of not having a pass rush. Of course, Cal gifted BYU opportunities with interceptions, fumbles, muffed punts, etc. But BYU needs to figure something out on the defensive line. Do you give a look to some of the younger players who might be slated to redshirt? I don't know. Corbin Kafusi, Devin Kafusi, Uriah Leatawa, Trey Jampili, Brackenell Bakri, Zach Daw, Kyrus Tonga, Meti Taleuli, the list goes on and on, Lorenzo Fawatea. Every man along that defensive line needs to up their ability, if at all possible. My concern is... There's not a ready fix on this roster for BYU pass rush-wise. In recruiting, the Cougars need to go out and find a pass rusher in the mold of Mika Tafua, who was a return missionary that attended the University of Utah instead of coming to BYU, who he had originally committed to before his LDS mission. They could use a guy like Bradley Anai up at Utah, who was an absolute terror off the edge. I just am not convinced that BYU has that on the roster. That is a glaring, glaring issue. BYU's offensive line had issues tonight as well. 
I feel like this offensive line may have gotten gotten a little um, overconfident with their dominant performance against an overmatched Arizona defensive line, and Cal brought it to them, and BYU's offensive line struggled. There were points that BYU had some good moments. The first half in particular, BYU moved the ball plenty fine, just could not put points on the board. They need to figure out what's going on with their trench play. The tough part is, is going to Madison, Wisconsin is not going to yield the results that are going to show noticeable improvement to the naked eye about if the pass rush has improved, if BYU's offensive line has has become more cohesive and is playing better, because Wisconsin is legitimately that good, especially in the trenches. So don't look at next week's game when BYU struggles in the trenches and say, see, they're awful. They, they suck. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever, you, whatever you, you're going to say about it, understand that Wisconsin is not the litmus test here that, that BYU really should be measuring themselves against at this point. I'm convinced that BYU needs to just continue to stay the course, understand that this month of September is going to be tough for them to win games, and hope that better days are ahead when the schedule lightens up and they're able to uh, able to make some hay at that point. We, we shall see. All right, so getting uh, to some responses, I threw it out on Twitter. A couple of you got back to me. I know it was really late tonight, but here we go on some responses from players real quick. Uh, Ryan Angus sent me a tweet saying, 2017 all over again. I don't think it's 2017 all over again. The offense at least has some semblance of an opportunity. Like I said, the first half for the BYU offense, they moved the ball well. They outgained Cal in that first half. They just could not put points on the board. James Wood at James Wood PT. Oh, and that was Ryan Angus at R Angus 74. James Wood here at James Wood PT says, Biggest problem tonight was the lack of push from O-line. Squally had negative yards after halftime. If you are a smash mouth team, you can't get third and twos. You are in trouble. You're dead on there, James. That is a very keen eye there. BYU thrives when they get ahead in the chains. In the second half, they were behind the chains almost every drive. The last drive of the desperation where BYU drove down the field, that one's kind of an exception because you are in a scramble mode where you're trying to just get points, but interesting there. Nate at the 6Bs says, I was not able to see the game on TV. Were receivers having difficulty getting open or was Mangum struggling with seeing slash hitting them? Tanner Mangum found his first option covered almost all night long. He was going through his progressions. That was a good note to see from Tanner as he was patient in the pocket as much as he possibly could be. The wide receivers, I thought, struggled in terms of that first option being able to become open. But when they were able to move around and scramble drill took effect, I thought BYU did okay. The drops were just an absolute killer for BYU's wide receivers. Can't have that. Kalani Satake knows that. The wide receivers know that. Fessy Satake, their position coach, knows that. Jeff Grimes knows that. There will be up-downs coming on Monday for that wide receiving core. I can tell you that much. All right, and then one other note here. Chris Murphy, C. Murphy Pro on Twitter. Huge step back, no urgency, and uninspired. Okay, I take issue with that, Chris, because I think the BYU was plenty inspired. They just faced a team that was better than what they probably anticipated coming off a win where they got themselves a little probably overexcited against Arizona. Cal's a good team. Justin Wilcox is doing great things with that program. So I don't think BYU was uninspired. I don't I don't I don't think it was a huge step back either. 
Because like I said, the math that I had before the preseason, during the preseason for the season, was for BYU to get to 6-6, six and six, and they're on track based on how I projected things. Granted, I had things flip-flopped. I had them losing at Arizona, beating Cal. All the same, BYU is 1-1, one and one, and we'll see what happens. All right, before we wrap things up here, I want to let you guys know about the other teams that are in action that BYU will be facing in coming weeks. We'll start off with Wisconsin. They struggled early on. It was a 10-7 ball game at halftime, but don't worry. Wisconsin decided to turn it on turn it on in the second half, rolling up 35 points in route to a 45-14 win over the New Mexico Lobos. Jonathan Taylor, the star tailback for Wisconsin, 253 yards and three touchdowns in the win. Wisconsin rolls on. BYU is running into one, literally one of the best and biggest teams in college football next week. I'm having a hard time believing that anything outside of a rather thorough beating is coming for BYU, but that's why they play the game. We'll see what happens in Madison next week. The week after that, BYU plays their annual FCS game. They'll be hosting the McNeese State Cowboys. McNeese State is a good FCS program. They're based in the state of Louisiana. They beat Houston Baptist earlier today, 51-34, to rolled up 37 points in the first half en route to that victory. They will be facing Nichols State, who beat Kansas just a week ago next week before they come to Provo on September 22nd. McNeese State, we'll see how they do against Nichols State, but they could be 3-0 coming to Provo in two weeks. Washington at the end of the month for BYU. They faced an FCS team in North Dakota. Um, Some of the stories reading about this. Uh, of course, the final was no- number nine Washington forty-five, North Dakota three. So a thorough win for Wisconsin. But some of the stories of the Seattle Times saying that it was an uneven offensive performance, which should be interesting. BYU fans will get a first-hand look at Washington a week from now when they invade Rice Eccles Stadium there in Salt Lake City to face Utah in their Pac-12 opener. We'll learn a lot about the Huskies in that game. So there you go. And then finally, the first game of the month in October, BYU faces Utah State. What did the Aggies do tonight in their bowl rematch against the New Mexico State Aggies? Well, only rolled up 60 points. Quite the thorough performance for Utah State. Dominic Eberly, their kicker, tied an NCAA record for points scored by a kicker with 24 in the game. He booted six field goals, three of them over 50 yards. New Mexico State, also a future opponent for BYU, 0-3 on the year. Man, that bowl game looks like an anomaly, even though I was hoping that New Mexico State was able to reload and be competitive. Doesn't look that way. Utah State looking mighty potent on offense. So there you go. Some of the look at the upcoming opponents for BYU as we wrap things up here. Thank you for sitting in with me as we talked about this game, initial reactions. I'll have more for you Monday with my film review of the game after I'm able to watch the broadcast one more time, maybe pick up on a few more notes. And of course, we'll be covering the press conferences, player interviews, etc. next week as BYU prepares to face Wisconsin. Saturday afternoon, 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time kick, nationally televised broadcast on ABC. Big platform for BYU. Hopefully they can go shock the world, but I'm not counting on it. This has been Locked On BYU, special edition recap of the Cal game. We'll catch you on Monday. Once again, this has been Locked On BYU. I'm Jay Catch. Have a great night slash great day slash whenever you listen to this. Have a good one.
NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.